This CosmicReality.com presentation is sponsored by MysticalWares.com. Is there something wrong? Warning! Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com. YouTube and Facebook, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. Twitter, at Coach Jan Shaw. Truth Social, Success Alchemist. And on Telegram, US UK Patriot. Today is the 22nd of October, 2022. And the title of today's show is Danchenko Verdict, Vax Evil, Hunter Laptop Report, and UK Political Chaos. So um, it was no surprise that Danchenko was found not guilty on all counts. One of the charges was actually dismissed before the jury then deliberated on the verdict. And people have been uh, disappointed. But I have to say it's not surprising given the, where the trial was held. And... And there are people saying that, you know, Durham's uh, special counsel is now done. But um, Brian Cates on Rise of the New Media newsletter, which is on Substack, he's really showing what the real purpose of the Danchenko and the Sussman trials were really all about. So I'm going to start with this article Durham just exposed some of the real Russian collusion during the 2016 presidential campaign. And this was published today. When it comes to mapping out the massive joint venture to create the Russiagate scandal, he's still on the ground floor. Beginning in 2015, as Donald J. Trump masterfully negotiated his way around the deepest, most experienced GOP field of nominees in that party's history, and found himself faced with a democratic opponent of such shallow ability and popularity that her own party had to rig its nomination system for her, a narrative quickly arose in the mainstream press about this. The rookie real estate magnet and TV personality was having so much obvious success in running against deeply entrenched establishment politicos on both sides of the political spectrum that his success had to be explained in a manner that made sense to people who viewed Trump as a cartoonish buffoon. It was manifestly obvious to many that Trump didn't beat a large field of experienced GOP governors, senators and congressmen on his own merits and he certainly wasn't having any success versus Clinton because his message to the public was resonating better than hers. No, that simply couldn't be it. And so the Big Brother fake news matrix media and Democrats and establishment rhinos embarked on a quest to discover the real reason Trump was having such a fantastic run in his first political campaign for office. And it didn't take them long to supposedly suss out the true cause of Trump's ascendancy. Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin. Of course, the stupid Trump-Russia collusion narrative is now known to have been a dirty trick hoax hatched within the Hillary Clinton campaign itself. And this dirty trick hoax became the dominant political narrative in the United States all through the 2016 campaign and into the Trump presidency itself. The Russiagate hoax led to congressional hearings and investigations. Russiagate spawned not just one but two special counsel investigations, the second of which is still investigating the work of the first. One way of looking at this is that the bad guys got to go first and present their case to the country that Donald J. Trump and his close associates in the White House were Russian agents, 
bought off to sell out their own country, undermining its national security and implementing policies that put America last and the interests of Russia and her allies first. Durham is now making his case that far from being a Russian stooge, Donald Trump was the victim of a highly orchestrated and coordinated smear campaign. While he was in the process of becoming one of the best and most effective American presidents in the country's history, Durham and his team have been using false statement trials to completely eviscerate the last surviving vestiges of the Russiagate hoax's credibility. And Durham is exonerating Trump and exposing those who plotted against him while the country wakes up to the obvious truth that Joseph R. Biden and key members of the D.C. cabal to which he belongs are Chinese agents who've been massively bribed to sell out their country, openly undermining its national security as they implement one disastrous policy after another that puts America last and the interests of the CCP and its allies first. As I explained in my recent column at Badlands Media, Durham continues to reveal previously undisclosed Spygate evidence. This special prosecutor has been led, to led by extraordinary circumstances to have to spend major time countering and destroying a major national propaganda campaign that the entire country was immersed in for more than five years. A massive and coordinated propaganda campaign that involved, one, all the major mainstream news media outlets, two, the big social media platforms, three, the US Congress with investigations and hearings, four, federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies, five, a special counsel investigation led by former FBI Director Robert Mueller, six, movies and TV programs and plethora of books touting the hoax. And this all ran non-stop 24-7 for half a decade, fuelled by a raft of leaks to the news media, the vast majority of which turned out to be inaccurate and wrong. For some strange reason, many people absolutely refused to acknowledge the massive hurdle the Durham Special Counsel faced in trying to counter this overwhelming propaganda campaign. They seem to think Durham should have just dumped all the big indictments out there in early 2020 or early 2021 and let the chips fall where they may. They don't understand. Durham's playing the long game. He'll sacrifice a few rooks, trials for low-level figures facing minor process crimes, to take the other side's propaganda cover off the board. That's exactly what he's been doing, but many are too blind to see it. How many people still haven't figured out that the main purpose of the recent Igor Danchenko trial was not to give a ground-level member of the Hillary Clinton Dirty Tricks team a couple of weeks in a club fed and a fine over a minor process crime, but rather to kill the last remaining vestiges of credibility that remained to the dying Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? By exposing which of the two campaigns in the 2016 presidential race was actually working with a suspected Russian agent to influence the election. And it wasn't Donald J. Trump's campaign. That's the punchline. How many people actually got the joke? You know Hillary did. How hard was it for her to keep a straight face all through that 2016 campaign? Watching the news media and the FBI going after Trump for a hoax her own campaign had made up and that she had personally approved. Of course, Hillary stopped laughing once Trump beat her ass like a bongo drum and won the presidency. Well, surprise! Turns out the real Russian collusion during that election was never inside the Trump campaign. And like Devin Nunes has always been saying since late 2017, when people find out what really happens, where the real Russian collusion actually was, is going to blow their programming. What conspiracy? Why, I've never even met any of these people. Of course, Hillary Clinton can put on her most innocent looking face and say she's never met Danchenko. She can claim there's no conspiracy here because she's never been in the same room with most of the players in it. 
Well, of course she hasn't. She and her husband for decades have used very expensive lawyers as cutouts and middlemen to hire the people who get their hands dirty. The Clintons rarely, if ever, meet the ground-level contractors hired to do the grunt work. But this doesn't change the fact that the paper trail has been completely exposed and the whole world can now see which campaign it was that ended up paying a suspected Russian agent for what turned out to be fake allegations tying Donald Trump to the Russian government. Durham got it all on the record, and that's not even the whole story. Uh, one campaign in 2016 was compromised by the Russians, but it wasn't Trump's. I also suspect Durham knows who it is inside the Clinton campaign that was feeding top-level strategy meeting details to Russian intelligence, which is how Brennan got that Russian intel intercept in July 2016. It's just a question of when or how he decides to reveal it. Pretty sure at this point Brennan is wishing he'd just wiped his ass with that intel analysis and flushed it down the toilet instead of rushing to the White House to alert everybody that the Clinton campaign's dirty tricks plan was already in the hands of the Russians. Because the one big thing the CIA's intercept of the Russian intel analysis did when Brennan briefed everybody on it, it left a paper trail that by the end of October 2016 stretched from one, the CIA, two, the Obama White House, three, the National Security Council, four, the DOJ and the DOJ's National Security Division, five, the FBI. All these people in each of these places have been briefed and knew about the Clinton campaign's newly launched plan to vilify the Trump campaign with fake Russia hoaxes as a means of distracting the public from Hillary's very real email scandal. Durham knows who the Carter Page FISA warrant affiant is and he'll drop that when he's ready. When he moves from the issue of how the FBI's crossfire hurricane team never verified the dossier that they all knew had come straight from the Clinton campaign's dirty trick squad to exactly who took those false allegations out of the dossier and put them in the warrant and signed it and affirmed to the court it was true and correct, Durham will drop the name of who the affiant was, which has never leaked in six years. Because whoever this person is, they committed a massive federal felony. They knew they were submitting a tainted and fraudulent warrant to the judge to spy on a US citizen. And not just on that one citizen. That fraud warrant was a window into the entire Trump campaign during the last days of the 2016 election. It was a historically unprecedented spy warrant. And this person knew they were asking the court for it on the basis of a hoax. My money's on the affiant being the long-disappeared Joseph Pienka. Remember him? He's a distant memory for many people, but I think of him often. I've written about this mysterious FBI agent who first enters the Spygate story by going to the White House with fellow agent Peter Strock in January of 2017 to have a friendly interview with President Trump's newly installed National Security Advisor, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. That interview is the direct result of a top-level Obama administration meeting in which former FBI Deputy Director of Counterintelligence Bill Priestap took some very illuminating notes in which he scribbled they were seeking to find something to investigate Flynn for with the goal of getting, getting him either fired or prosecuted. As it so happened, Flynn ended up having both happen to him, fired and then prosecuted for what later turned out to be an invented false statement charge that led to a four-year-long circus in D.C. federal court. Columns I've written in which the long-disappeared FBI special agent Joseph Pienka makes an appearance include... Why FBI special agent Joseph Pienka is the DOJ's invisible man? Will four mysterious Spygate figures be emerging soon? Sidney Powell and the DOJ's Invisible Man. Flynn prosecution team hid exculpatory evidence. The opening of that last column still holds as true as it did when I wrote it back in early November of 2019, almost three full years ago. 
When two FBI agents arrived at the White House on the morning of January 24, 2017, to interview Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, none of the three men involved could have foreseen the different fates that awaited them. One of the men would be forced to very publicly resign from an important job in the newly installed Trump administration. One would be very publicly fired from the FBI after a contentious congressional hearing before the entire country. And one of these men would simply disappear. It is now October of 2022. An FBI special agent, Joseph Pientka, remains just as invisible today as he was three years ago. Exactly how long does the GOJ, the FBI and the Durham Special Counsel's Office intend to keep up this Pientka Disappearing Act? If Durham's strategy was to completely destroy the Russiagate hoax by fully exposing it, great, he's done that. The Danchenko trial allowed him to drive the final nails in the coffin after staking it through the heart. Now it's time to move on from mapping out the ground floor level of this massive RICO joint venture to create and propagate the Russiagate hoax and use it as a pretext to investigate Donald Trump. It's time to move past the private contractors doing the grunt work at the bottom and start moving up the ladder. It's time to move up to the Clinton campaign and the FBI, the second story of the conspiracy. I know it's frustrating to have to wait and see when Durham decides to make his next move and what that next move will be, but it can't be helped. Nobody rushes Durham and he'll move when he's ready. It's just that simple. And what came to mind uh, in response to that last statement about being frustrated, it always reminds me of the phrase in our Course in Miracles, Patience comes naturally when you have faith. So, you know, I say very often keep the faith because, you know, this is such a massive undertaking to expose all these criminals and remove them. Um, we really are in World War Three information war. Bioclandestine on Substack has a similar take on this Danchenko trial. Uh, alter your perspective on Durham's role. This is actually from the 18th of October. I laid off the Danchenko trial because I recognise that Durham's role is more of an educator than a prosecutor. And unfortunately, many in this community are so famished for justice that they are let down when low-level pawns are not prosecuted. Yet if Danchenko was to have been found guilty, the same people who were upset would have been screaming that none of this matters unless Hillary and Obama go down, which is true. We should not hinge our success on low-level players like Danchenko or Sussman, names that 99.99% of the public didn't know until they appeared on trial. This is not about them. This is about a conspiracy that goes all the way to the top and exposing the web of subordinates Obama and the Hillary campaign used to pull off treason. These trials happening at this time before the midterms shows me it's a timed information op to educate the public on the broader conspiracy facilitated by the DNC, which means white hats are in control. This is a vast and complex crime. Showing a wide body of work and numerous proofs of conspiracy will be needed to prosecute the high-level players, not just legally, but in the court of public opinion. If we just lock up Hillary and Obama without the public being briefed on what happened and them accepting it as fact, it would result in chaos, civil uprisings, mass civilian casualties, etc., now, I know everyone is itching for someone to be held accountable for something, but some Russian spy paid by Hillary getting prosecuted for lying to the FBI honestly gets us no closer to holding Hillary and Obama accountable. What does get us closer is mass public awakening of this plot, which is being advanced via Durham. Now, is Durham eventually going to prosecute someone? Will this lack of justice lead to military intervention of some sort? I'm not sure, but I can see that his work is advancing the narrative that the DNC are dirty 
and providing the conservative media with the headlines to constantly talk about the treasonous activity of the DNC consuming the airwaves leading up to the midterms. If your faith in the plan relies on the prosecution of Igor Danchenko, then you're in for many, many more disappointments. Understand the main objective and view all skirmishes from the 40,000 foot lens. Big picture. Clandestine. And this is, you know, what I'm always encouraging. Stand back and look at the interrelationship of all these things that are happening at this particular time. And on Clandestine's Telegram channel, um, and it's bio-clandestine, he posted this today. Recognise the patterns. New report on massive criminality via Hunter's laptop. CDC pushing to mandate harmful COVID shots for public schools. DOJ, FBI corruption and weaponization of law enforcement. Economic collapse, depression. It appears the public are being emotionally charged and therefore more motivated to vote red. Combine this with Kanye, Elon, Tulsi and Candace Owens dipping into new echo chambers and swinging voters in our direction. Three weeks out, timing, a plan is being executed, clandestine. So yes, and I'm going to cover some of these topics, as I said in the introduction. So let's just take on this um, interesting Marco Polo information dump, which is basically a report on the Hunter Biden laptop. So I'm going to start with the actual announcement on the Marco Polo Substack account. Report on the Biden laptop. This was on October 19th. There are at the very least 459 documented violations of state and federal laws and regulations on the infamous device. And as an aside, interesting that this should come out around the same time that Jill Biden is... um, supporting or defending Hunter Biden and saying she's sure he's innocent. Well, I think they're going to find that um, there's too much evidence to contradict that. For the past 13 months, Marco Polo, a non-profit research group comprised of six men from across the US dedicated to exposing corruption and blackmail, has been writing a comprehensive report on the Biden laptop and the crimes thereon. Our motives and budget were transparent. Thousands of Americans financed its production. We neither sought nor received any institutional or corporate backing. We were delayed for various reasons, but finished the dossier for 35000 under budget. At long last, the report is complete. It has been sent to members of the U.S. House and U.S. Senate, U.S. attorneys for the jurisdictions in which the Bidens and their associates committed crimes, state and local law enforcement, and for good measure, every contact on the Biden laptop, which includes everyone from Hunter's classmates at Archmere Academy to a sizable portion of the current White House staff. It is simple but dense, 630 pages, 2,020 footnotes, broken up neatly into seven sections, with the biggest focus being business-related crimes. We believe that it is the deepest digital colonoscopy ever performed on a sitting U.S. first family. The file size, 960 megabytes of the report, is comparable to a movie from iTunes. You can probably understand our desire to maintain the high resolution of the report's exhibits after pouring 13 months into a project. And it shows the table of contents and the sections... um, Business-related crimes, which, as they say, is the biggest. Then sex-related crimes... Drug-related crimes, influence peddling, illegal accountability, and so on. And there is a link to download the report. And it also links to some press coverage of this report being released. Now, Kanakoa on Substack did a report on what Marco Polo's report says. And it says Marco Polo's report destroys the Biden crime family. 
630 pages, 2020 footnotes, 459 crimes. Marco Polo's report on the Biden laptop is the most damning thing ever written about the Biden crime family. I've read Miranda Devine's Laptop from Hell and Peter Schweizer's Red Handed, which were phenomenal. But Marco Polo's report on the Biden laptop is the most damning thing ever written about the Biden crime family. Nothing else comes close. 630 pages, 2020 footnotes, 459 fully documented crimes. The Biden laptop is the Rosetta Stone of political corruption and Marco Polo's report should be required reading for every American. Garrett Ziegler and his team use all the documents, emails, photographs and text messages on Hunter's laptop to diligently detail the Biden crime family's foreign collusion and money laundering operation with America's greatest rivals. This report destroys the Biden crime family and carpet bombs everyone in their corrupt inner circle. And it links back to the actual Marco Polo page, which I've just read to you. From The Sun, Ziegler, 26, who worked in the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy at the White House during the Trump administration, told The Sun, our number one goal is to ensure that Republicans don't waste time. The investigation has been done. All we're seeking is the equal application of the law. So far, this saga has been one of the greatest examples of double standards in American legal history. People have gone to prison for decades based on Joe's own policies for doing exactly what Hunter did. Meanwhile, Hunter is living at a beachside estate in Marabou. So on the subject of um, inequality under the law... Yesterday, Steve Bannon was sentenced to four months in prison for contempt of Congress conviction. This was reported on by Just the News. The judge said that if Bannon filed his appeal in a timely manner, then he will suspend the prison sentence until the appeals process concludes. Ex-Trump White House political adviser Steve Bannon was sentenced Friday to six months in prison for contempt of Congress for having refused to comply with subpoenas from the Democrat-led House Committee investigating the January 6 riot. The judge in the case also ordered Bannon pay a $6,500 fine, much less than the 200000 recommended by federal prosecutors, who also said the far-right conservative operative should serve two years behind bars. U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit Judge, in explaining the sentencing, said Bannon poses a very small risk of recidivism, with regard to congressional subpoenas, but there must be a deterrence for others considering committing similar crimes, NBC News reported. The judge also said that if Bannon filed his appeal in a timely manner, his prison sentence could be suspended until the appeals process concludes. Bannon has 14 days to appeal his conviction, according to CNN. As usual, the judge listened carefully and entered a decision that he thought was appropriate, said Bannon lawyer David Shearn. We certainly fully respect the judge's decision, but we'll be filing a notice of appeal, as the judge indicated. Very grateful to the judge for thinking through the issues candidly, and it is an extraordinary move to permit a stay pending appeal. It was an appropriate move. Shearn also said he thinks the appeal will be bulletproof. The constitutional issues involved in this case are very important, he said, but Mr Bannon never got to tell the reason for his actions with respect to the subpoena, never got to tell his story because the government insisted from day one on prohibiting any mention and any evidence or discussion to go before the jury as to why Mr Bannon reacted as he did to the subpoena on the advice of counsel. Bannon was found guilty in July of contempt for refusing to comply with subpoenas from the Democrat-led House January 6 committee, one to testify and other to submit documents related to the January 6, 2021 riot. Bannon's lawyers unsuccessfully argued that they and their client were continuing to negotiate with the committee about the terms of the subpoenas. Bannon said after the sentencing, today was my judgment day by the judge and we'll have a very rigorous 
vigorous appeals process. I've got a great legal team and there'll be multiple areas of appeal. He also argued that he testified the special counsel Robert Mueller's probe into possible collusion between Russia and the 2016 Donald Trump presidential campaign and in similar congressional probes. Each contempt count carried a maximum sentence of one year imprisonment. However, the sentencing range range guidelines of the U.S. Probation Office was one to six months. But the thing is, what people are, are pointing out the difference in the way Steve Bannon has been treated compared with somebody like Eric Holder, who was um, accused of, I think he was um, uh, prosecuted for contempt of Congress, but... He served no jail time at all. So it's another example of this witch hunt by the DOJ and all the corrupt government officials and this completely illegitimate unselect committee in going after Trump supporters. And, and look at all these um, January 6th prisoners, political prisoners, who have been locked up for the last, well, we're talking, you know, almost two years for just walking into the Capitol, having been waved in by the Capitol Police and the doors open for them. It is criminal. Now I'm going to move on to the latest on the Vax front and um, really big in the news is the uh, CDC having unanimously voted to add the COVID-19 jab to the childhood vaccine schedule. And I've chosen to go with a report again on Substack by the Vigilant Fox. And the title is the CDC unanimously voted 15 to 0 to add COVID-19 jab to childhood vaccine, vaccine schedule. Now what? Here's what you can do to make a difference. The CDC ignored the 86,799 plus comments of concerned citizens to vote for pharma and their own self-interest by adding the COVID jab to the 2023 US childhood immunization schedule. And it's got a screenshot from the FRN October 2022 AKIP meeting. So what does this mean? With the CDC's blessing, states can take that recommendation and use it as a means to mandate COVID-19 vaccination as a requirement for children to attend public school. Expect states like California, New York and a handful of others to do just that. It also means that they've given themselves a liability shield per Robert F. Kennedy Jr., once it becomes an approved vaccine, that shield, that freedom from immunity disappears and we will be able to sue them unless it's a recommended vaccine for children. Because under the Childhood Vaccine Act, any vaccine that is recommended for children automatically receives immunity from liability, even when that vaccine is given to an adult. So Pfizer knows that it cannot afford to give an approved vaccine to any American because attorneys like me will sue them and bankrupt them overnight. We will make them pay for the entire pandemic. But if they can get it approved for children, then they'll get immunity from liability and they will not have to deal with the consequences of their behaviour. So what can we do now? One, continue to inundate the comments section. Let this be a written record of how they ignored the concerns of tens of thousands of Americans. And there's a link to be able to do that. Two, give the voting members a phone call. I'm sure they would love to hear what you have to say. And it's got a list of the voting members and their phone numbers. Three, if your state mandates the COVID jab as a condition to attend public school, homeschool them. I know it's tough, but the health of your child is far more important than any short-term inconvenience. And if 5, 10, 20% of parents in a state do just that, how do you think they're going to respond? With strong backlash come changes in policy. Make them instantly regret mandating this shot. 
Four, make sure you get out and vote this November. Do your research and vote for the candidates who value medical freedom. This is without a doubt one of the most pressing issues of our time. The website below is a good resource to get you started and that is standforhealthfreedom.com. Five, share this article links with aligned family members and friends. The more of us that are activated and engaged, the more annoying pests they have to deal with. Be an aggravating thorn, demand freedom and fight like heck, because in the end, God wins. And interestingly, just after the CDC voted for this, Pfizer announced that it's putting up the price of the injections. So isn't that convenient? Um, just follow the money. That's that's what this is all about. And there is a comment about homeschooling uh, underneath the article. If you're looking to homeschool, there is help out there. There is curriculum online that you can access for free that is aligned to state standards, just in case your state requires homeschool kids to take standardised tests. If you can't find tutors in person to help with those tricky math problems, there are websites that help connect you with tutors of varying level of qualifications. Some are fully credentialed teachers who left the classroom due to mandates and wokeism, such as myself. Others are college students who would could be a good fit for your student as well and they tend to charge less than those of us with credentials and classroom experience. There is help out there, you just have to look for it. And there's another quote, uh, sorry, comment. These people of the CDC are not elected. They do not represent the, the American people. Who do they represent? They represent the criminal enterprise of Big Pharma and the corrupt medical establishment that has colluded with them. We must demand that Congress override this tyrannical decision. We do this when we have taken back Congress on November 8th. So we've got the corrupt CDC approving these vaccines for children, while in the UK we have a doctor um, addressing the UK House of Commons. And this is on metatron.substack. Um, and this was published yesterday. Uh, Dr. Rachel Clark, welcome to the COVID Hall of Shame. If you wanted to know what ratioed means, look no further. Uh, there are people like Dr. Asim Malhotra who have the integrity and courage to admit when they are wrong and do everything they can to put it right, even if it means destroying their reputation in the eyes of the ignorant majority. On the other hand, there are people like Dr. Rachel Clark, whoever she is, who, despite having a massive quarter of a million Twitter followers, could not help being well and truly ratioed for taking a cheap swipe at a better person than she could ever hope to be. And it shows the tweet from Rachel Clark. When an ex-NHS doctor, Asim Malhotra, spread anti-vax disinformation in the House of Commons this week, he sought to bolster his credentials by citing his FRCP, which is Fellow of the Royal College of Physicians, screenshot below. Please can you urgently address this, RC Physicians? Your name is being dragged through the mud here. And it's got a screenshot showing all party parliamentary group on COVID-19 vaccine damage. And I did read another article, actually. I can't remember who it was. It was another Substack uh, saying that the people that showed up who were vaccine injured or were relatives of people who'd been vaccine injured or even died huge crowd of them and only five MPs showed up and she was really calling them out about this. Ratioed, this is the article continuing, ratioed is when the comments section where people have to make the effort to write overwhelms the like count which is the lazy way of showing support. It seems her followers lack the same vigour and commitment of the critical thinkers who can not just see through the narrative but can also easily distinguish the good guys from the rot. And this shows some of the comments 
NHS observer, what a vindictive person you are. Your own personal crusade against one of the few doctors who has had the professional bravery and honesty to put his career on the line for the protection of patients. From an unjabbed NHS registered professional who despises people like you. And I just need to go back to the screenshot of the all-party parliamentary group because in that, Dr. Asim is saying the British government must announce an immediate halt to the UK's COVID-19 vaccine programme and launch a public inquiry to fully assess the risks and benefits associated with new mRNA vaccine technology. And incidentally, if you're not aware... Uh, Dr. Mulhotra was actually um, interviewed on TV at the start of the vaccine rollout who and he was promoting it and he actually took the vaccine himself. But obviously now he is following the proper science and is now calling it out and saying we we need to take this off the market um, given the number of deaths and adverse reactions that people are suffering. And another tweet, BB, you will go down as being on the wrong side of history. This is obviously to this Dr. Rachel Clark. We won't forget you. Screenshot her and save it for when all this comes out, because it will. We will win. The truth will come out and we will remember this. And moving at the speed of truth, as a palliative care doctor, what makes you so upset about a heart expert voicing his very real concerns with regards to serious heart issues and complications from this vaccine? Why would he put his reputation and career at risk like this? You are not the good guy here. Charlie, Charlie, you are completely dismissing everyone who has been injured by those jabs. How much are you being paid? Karma will catch up with you. Bloke on a bike, please explain the unusually high death rates in young people and increases in myocarditis, both apply to athletes. Almost like you push one side of an agenda rather than look at all the facts. What happened to do no harm principle? Why vax kids young not at risk from COVID? And so it goes on. And the article ends. Click here for more. So there's a link to the tweet assuming she doesn't try to hide her shame by deleting the tweet. With that many followers, this comment to like ratio simply should not happen. That's ratioed for you. Welcome, Rachel, to the COVID Hall of Shame. She's well and truly earned it. Now, we're all aware there's been massive um, censorship uh, by the social media giants and others um, of the truth about the stolen election, about the COVID-19 so-called pandemic, about the vaccine, everything that goes against the agenda of the deep state cabal. And there is a lawsuit, uh, Missouri versus Biden, which this article goes into, which is against the Biden administration and various others uh, for colluding with big tech. So this is a report from Gateway Pundit that was published yesterday, breaking Judge Grant's Missouri AG request to depose Dr. Fauci, Jen Psaki, FBI agent Elvis Chan, etc. in social media collusion case featuring the Gateway Pundit's Jim Hoft as plaintiff. The Gateway Pundit previously reported in May that Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, along with Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Lundry, filed a lawsuit, Missouri versus Biden, against the Biden administration, including Biden himself. Anthony Fauci, the Department of Homeland Security and nearly a dozen federal agencies and secretaries. The suit alleges a massive coordinated effort by the deep state, permanent administrative state, to work with big tech to censor and manipulate Americans from average citizens to news outlets on issues including the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, 2020 election integrity, COVID-19 origin and extent scepticism, COVID-19 vaccine scepticism, among other issues. And it's got a copy of the complaint. 
In June, the Gateway Pundit began assisting Missouri AG Schmidt's team and providing critical evidence of Facebook and Twitter censorship of the Gateway Pundit on all of these issues. And it's got a link to another article. Missouri Attorney General files landmark lawsuit against Biden for colluding with big tech. Evidence from the Gateway Pundit plays major role in case. The evidence was submitted to the Louisiana Federal Court. The case reached a crucial turning point in July when A.G. Schmidt and his team won a huge victory. They persuaded the federal judge to grant them limited discovery investigatory powers before the court would decide the government defendant's collective motion to dismiss this case. And... The Gateway Pundit wrote about it here, a link to huge win. Judge Grant's Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt the ability to probe Facebook, Twitter for their collision, collusion with the Biden administration. This allowed A.G. Schmidt to compel the government and Facebook and Twitter and a few other social media platforms to turn over documents and communications exchanged between the government and the social media platforms in which censorship was discussed. In August, we reported that TGP's Jim Hoft himself became the lead non-governmental plaintiff in the lawsuit against the government. Since then, A.G. Schmidt's team has been engaged in a slugfest with the government and big tech to turn over the demanded documents. Neither the government nor big tech wants to disclose the damning evidence against them and they fought like hell to stop the disclosure. As we reported, the turning point came in September when Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg admitted in a Joe Rogan interview that Facebook algorithmically censored the Hunter Biden laptop for seven days following a request from the FBI to censor election misinformation. Zuckerberg's admission came after the Missouri v. Biden lawsuit forced Facebook to turn over documents. He was going to end up admitting it anyway. It constituted a turning point in the battle for the preservation of the First Amendment and free speech in America. His admission proved that the US government and big tech coordinated to censor speech. Previously, the government's lawyers kept trying to portray all of this as a conspiracy theory. No, now it's a conspiracy fact. The Missouri Attorney General's office caught the Biden administration red-handed. On Friday, the court granted Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt's request to depose Dr. Tony Fauci, Jen Psaki, FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan and others. This is big news in the case and for Americans who support our Constitution and free speech. Things are starting to get interesting. And boy, aren't they. Meanwhile... Um, Another Gateway Pundit article talks about the shocking facts about the continuing cover-up of COVID-19's laboratory origin by the US government and colluding scientists. And says the shocking facts about the continuing cover-up of COVID-19's laboratory origin by the US government and colluding scientists. Now, interestingly, this comes at the same time as we've had a report about the uh, Boston University gain-of-function research, which created a lethal new COVID strain that kills 80% of mice. Boston University scientists have reportedly created a lethal new COVID strain by combining Omicron and the original Wuhan strain in a laboratory. According to the Daily Mail, the hybrid virus managed to kill 80% of mice in a gain-of-function research study that critics say shouldn't have been allowed. The research has not been peer-reviewed. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole of this, but basically the Boston University have pushed back denying its gain-of-function research and that just because 80% of mice died, it wouldn't have the same effect on humans. But this kind of thing should not be going on at all, as we know. And bioclandestine, um, clandestine, however you pronounced it, um, he commented on Telegram. I've had a lot of people ask me about Boston University and their biological experimentation.
It didn't really captivate me because this, and far worse, is happening all over the world every day under the guise of defensive research. They take viruses, make them more volatile, then study how to defend against these viruses in case someone else uses them. But in the process, they are creating a bioweapon. But normally they don't celebrate or draw attention to it, which has me confused, which is a very fair comment, really. Why would Boston University fanfare this work that actually is against the Biological Weapons Convention? And talking of which, BioClandestine again has a report Russia and China push to enact Article 6 of the Biological Weapons Convention to investigate US-Ukraine. Today, the UN held a consultative meeting between the state parties to the Convention of the Prohibition of Biological Toxins and Weapons, BWTC, under Article 5. Keep in mind, this is the first time in history Article 5 has been utilised, and it says undertaking to consult bilaterally and multilaterally and cooperate in solving any problems which may arise in relation to the objective or in the application of the BWC. A joint statement was delivered by Russia, China, Belarus, Nicaragua, Zimbabwe, Cuba, Venezuela and Syria pertaining to the unresolved US biological laboratories in Ukraine. Essentially, these countries are pointing out that the UN Security Council have done nothing to resolve this pressing matter and are demanding the UN Security Council do their job. So I'm not going to go into this anymore, but you can see the walls are closing in on these deep state players who created this pandemic so that they could um, prevent Trump from winning re-election and to move them onwards towards the Great Reset. So now to cover the UK political chaos. Um, it's quite unbelievable to see what's going on over there. Um, this is from the 20th of uh, this month. UK Prime Minister Liz Truss resigns after less than two months in office. Truss has faced calls to step down as Prime Minister after a massive reversal of economic policies. And I must say, having spoken to my brother over there, he's saying it's, you know, total economic meltdown, that the value of the pound has dropped like a stone, which affects me and my UK pension coming over here. You know, we used to be getting $1.3, dollars $1 to the pound. Now it's just over $1.1. So UK Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned Thursday after less than two months in office amid pressure following a reversal of economic policies that led to economic instability. Truss made the announcement a day after she defiantly declared that she is a fighter and not a quitter. Ultimately, however, she said that circumstances she said that circumstances have changed. Given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party, Trust said. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. Trust said that a leadership election will take place within the next week and that she will stay on as Prime Minister until a successor has been chosen. Truss's announcement came soon after Home Secretary Suella Braverman resigned via a letter that slammed the Prime Minister. The business of government relies upon people accepting responsibility for their mistakes, Braverman said. Pretending we haven't made mistakes, carrying on as if everyone can't see that we have made them and hoping that things will magically come right is not serious politics. Braverman, part of the right wing of the Conservative Party, ran for party leader earlier this year, coming up short when Truss won. Braverman's exit came days after Truss fired Treasury head Kwasi Kwarteng amid financial turmoil that included the British pound declining in value to be nearly equal to the US dollar. The problems came after Truss's administration pushed a tax cut plan in September which Quarteng's replacement, Jeremy Hunt, scrapped in October. Truss apologised to lawmakers on Wednesday and admitted she had made errors during her time in office, just six weeks so far, but insisted that scrapping the tax cut plan was the right decision in the interest of the country's economic stability. 
Opposition Labour Party leader Keir Starmer blasted Truss on Wednesday, shouting in the House of Commons, Why is she still here? Many Conservative Party members were also saying Truss needed to go. Conservative lawmaker Simon Hoare told the BBC on Thursday that Truss had about 12 hours to fix the situation. Other Conservative Party lawmakers did not appear even to be willing to wait that long. It's time for the Prime Minister to go, Miriam Cates said. She isn't up to the job, sadly. Steve Double opined. Many within the party hope that replacing Truss will stave off Labour Party momentum and help Conservatives maintain control in the long run. Possible replacements for Truss include Hunt, ex-Treasury Chief Rishi Sunak, who Truss defeated earlier this year, and House of Commons leader Penny Mordaunt. Truss will remain in power until the party chooses a replacement. That process could take weeks under current rules, which allow all party members to vote, although the party's left wing is looking to change the rules to limit voting to members of parliament. Such a change could mean trust could be out within days. And interestingly, yesterday, Just the News reported Boris Johnson gained support for return as UK Prime Minister. You can't make this stuff up. Truss announced her resignation this week after fewer than two months in office. Former United Kingdom Prime Minister Boris Johnson is gaining support for a return to 10 Downing Street as the Conservative Party party leadership contest kicks off to replace outgoing Prime Minister Liz Truss. Johnson remains popular within the party despite his many scandals and prior resignation. But while some politicians have begun to throw their support behind the former Prime Minister, he is by no means the sole contender for the nation's top, non-hereditary job. At least 37 Conservative lawmakers have backed Johnson publicly, including five cabinet members, Reuters reported. That compares with 70 for former Finance Minister Rishi Sunak and 20 for former Defence Minister Penny Mordaunt. Sunak previously competed in the contest to replace Johnson. While he has not formally announced his bid, Johnson has reportedly told supporters in private that he is up for it per the outlet. Truss announced her resignation this week after fewer than two months in office, making her the shortest-serving Prime Minister in UK history. Truss threw her weight behind a sweeping tax cut plan that met, met with vehement opposition from both markets and the political establishment. She subsequently walked back the plan and announced her intention to leave office. Truss's resignation makes her the fourth Tory leader to resign since the 2016 Brexit vote. Prime Minister David Cameron, who opposed leaving the European Union, left office after Britons voted the other way. His successor, Theresa May, resigned after failing to deliver Brexit to the voters. Johnson left office after delivering Brexit due to a myriad of scandals, including parties he held in violation of his Covid lockdown orders. The Conservative Party has until 2025 to govern without calling for a general election. As such, determining the next Prime Minister will only involve Tory membership. A Prime Minister may call for a general election earlier, however. So (laughs) I take it as encouraging that this whole regime is falling apart. We're seeing it fall apart across the world. And I saw a post on uh, Telegram earlier today from Zuma Waffen, dissolve the EU movements gaining ground across Europe. French en masse warn Ursula von der Leyen, Ursula shut up. Europeans don't want to starve and freeze for Zelensky. The EU must be dissolved. So people are standing up more and more against these corrupt governments. Um, Ursula von der Leyen is under investigation in terms of the contract she made to buy billions of dollars worth of vaccines, especially after the Pfizer director testified to the EU Commission that they'd never tested the vaccine uh, 
for stopping transmission. And there have been some interesting speeches by members of the EU Commission who are not deep state calling all of this out and saying that these vaccines, again, similar to the UK, must be stopped. And we want a refund from organisations like Pfizer. So the good news is obviously these um, narratives are falling apart. The whole agendas are being seen through. So I do believe that even experiencing all the chaos at the moment, we are moving in the right direction. So um, anyway, that's all I have time for today. I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll uh, listen again to next week's Cosmic Creating Show. I'd like to thank Nancy for producing and Derek Condit for sponsoring Cosmic Reality Radio. And please visit his website at mysticalwares.com. So until next time, stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for our huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Cosmic Reality Radio is sponsored by Mystical Wares Online Store, where coupon code SAVE10 will get you 10% off your entire order at mysticalwares.com. <laughs>